This is 680-CJOB. Hi! Welcome to the CJOB Sports Show Podcast. I'm Christian O'Mell. Today on the show, the Friday edition, we'll talk about what the heck happened to the Winnipeg Jets against the Minnesota Wild with Leah Hextall. Preview the Great Cup with the Athletics' Kirk Petten. And the Power Parlay with Philly and Joe from Power Mornings. Sort of. Philly's kind of here in spirit as we preview the weekend in betting, including our Great Cup picks. That's all coming up on the podcast. Now we're joined by Leah Hextall. Uh, Leah, where are you right now? <laughs> Do you really want to know? Sure. I am in gorgeous Moose Jaw at Mosaic Place. I have a game tomorrow with Sportsnet, a WHL game between the Lethbridge Hurricanes and the Moose Jaw Warriors. But the game is going on, so I literally went down to the basement. So I'm sitting in the bowels of Mosaic Place. <laughs> and it's, it's kind of lonely, but it's really quiet. So I succeeded, Christian. Oh, that's cool, though, to be able to to do that. So you were able, though, to take in the Winnipeg Jets game today. Sure and that third period, it went, what, it started off with such promise, and then it just disappeared. Well, you know, of course, it, you're exactly right. I mean, four unanswered goals, one was an empty netter. But at the end of the day, that's just unacceptable when you take a 2 nothing lead into the third period. But I have to say, Christian, even though the Jets didn't come out on the winning end of this, I don't know about you, but I really enjoyed this hockey game. Because yes. may I say it, we have a rivalry. Yeah. We have an actual honest-to-goodness rivalry within the National Hockey League between the Jets and the Minnesota Wild. And I think that started to build last year in the playoffs, even though the Jets kind of manhandled the Wild because they had so many injuries. You could start to see a bit of the nastiness there in the playoffs, and that's how rivalries start. Then you add on the fact that there's a division. But, I mean, Lowry with an elbow on Joel erickson Eck, and then pushing Nick Steeler into the bench, and then there was no warm welcome there for him once he got no. in there. And just that melee that was happening. I mean, that's exciting. That was fun. You know, it's a lot of fun to see, and it's a lot of fun to see. I mean, we heard Columbus Blue Jackets head coach John Tortorella saying he doesn't like that there's no nastiness in the game anymore, and this is what he's talking about. He's not talking about dirtiness. He's talking about those old-fashioned rivalries where players didn't like each other in the National Hockey League, and I don't know about you, but I miss that. I miss that feeling of knowing that we hate this team, and I really enjoyed this hockey game today, even though the Jets... uh, dropped two points and they were a huge two points Christian because that's really that's a four point swing game and they were already two back of Minnesota now they're four points back I remember growing up really the rivalry and I don't know if any rivalries ever ever topped this I know it's a recency bias thing but Colorado Detroit in the late 90s I don't think anything will ever come close to touching that again it was there was a lot of dirtiness that sparked that but the fights in those games were nuts, but it's, it is fun to see that. And with Minnesota and Winnipeg, they are geographically very close to each other. Winnipeg doesn't have a natural geographic rival within Canada. So this is something where they've got to play a number of times still down the stretch. And in these central division games, it's good to see it getting a little feisty. It's, Excellent to see it getting feisty, and you make a great point because look at how many Jets fans were in the audience today. That you know, it's worth the trip, as they say, so they can head down to Mini, Mini can head up to Winnipeg, and I think it's going to make for a great rivalry going forward. I think we have four more outings between these two teams this season, but they're also impactful games because they are divisional games, so that makes it even better. So when you look at a, a loss like this. Are there any positives to take away from it? Can you take the first 40 minutes and say, all right, we'll do take that and let's try to replicate that. 
Well, one positive is the penalty kill. I mean, it was perfect, and the Minnesota Wild had six opportunities on it because there were so many penalties called. The one thing that I didn't like, though, was the Jets' power play tonight. I know that they did score on it, but Minnesota had an answer. They had an answer for Line Wheeler and Dustin Bufflin. They were all over them. So that's one thing where, you know, this power play, it has to score for the Winnipeg Jets. It's their best option it's their best weapon so they need to be able to make adjustments on the fly those players when they have a team that's ready for them but speaking of that penalty kill I'll tell you something you know even though it was so good today I think that really offsets the balance for the Winnipeg Jets when they're on the PK so much because those are really tough minutes to play for top players like the second pairing for the defense in Jacob Truba and Josh Morrissey. I mean, they had huge minutes today. They were both at 23 plus and over seven minutes shorthanded. And what I mean by those hard minutes is that they have to exert themselves on the penalty kill because there's more ice for them to cover. They're putting out more energy and they don't have that time to rest because they're back on the ice because they need them out there. That also will likely extend and have some fatigue for them tomorrow because we have the back-to-back scenario as the Jets head into St. Louis. So the Jets, even though their penalty kill was very strong today, they cannot be taking that many penalties. I will give them a slight pass because I was given this information. There were two rookies today when it came to the guys in stripes. One was the linesman and one was the ref. It was their first NHL game. And on both sides, on the both sides of the puck, I think we saw that there were some calls there that maybe might not be made in a divisional game at certain points in the game. But that's just my opinion. But you're going to start to see this a little bit in the NHL because what some people don't realize is that when it comes to the refs, they're instituting a new crop. They have a lot of guys who are getting towards the tail end of their season, and it's really hard to find people who can ref in the National Hockey League. So you're going to start to see probably some of those type of dynamics where you'll have a couple veteran guys, but you're going to have a couple rookies mixed in with them as they try to train the new crop. I was just thinking all the Central Division games they've had on the road, right? There was the Dallas game where the power play crushed them. There was the Nashville game where they killed off all the penalties, but that just really gassed them for the rest of the game. This is becoming a bit of a disturbing trend in division, isn't it? It is. And, you know, I think it comes back to the fact that the Jets are in such a strong division. I mean, we're talking about the Central. These are big, heavy teams. There's going to be more penalties than likely that you see in an East game when they're playing an Eastern opponent. But that's where they have to be better because this is a team that can skate. So they're not taking penalties because they're lagging behind and taking a cheap one where they have to trip a guy because they can't keep up. They're taking these penalties because they're being aggressive in their style. And while their coaching staff does want them to have that physical edge in them, you also have to watch it because they're getting called. We talked about this on Hextall on Hockey this week, is the fact that the Jets aren't getting any favorites anymore. They're no longer the little team that could. They're a Stanley Cup favorite. So if you go in there and start banging the body and doing things that you shouldn't be doing, there's no passes anymore this is a team that's super deep super talented and the refs aren't going to give them any passes no matter who they play against before i let you go leah there was the continuance of the patrick line hot streak today getting another goal and another five on five goal really since the finland trip he's kind of been shot out of a cannon but we've seen this through his career right he'll have a couple games where he'll be down and then just bang a ton of goals And that's why I think people should just calm down when there's a few games without him getting a goal. You know, Christian, you're so right. This is about the ebbs and flows of hockey. And we don't just see it with individual players. We see it with teams. 
How many times, like look at Buffalo right now. They're on this tremendous hot streak. They could turn around and then drop five in a row just like that, just as easy. It happens in the National Hockey League. But, you know, with Patrick Laine, we're talking about six goals in his last three games. Five of those six are even strength after having not a single even strength goal through his first 18 games. We have to remember, too, He's still young. I know that he's tremendously talented, but it takes players years to learn how to bring that consistency year in and year out. Think about Mark Shifley. Mark Shifley, when he first entered the league, he didn't have that consistency. He was a little soft in areas of his game, but he learned how to be a professional. He took his training to the next level, and that's exactly what we're seeing in Patrick Laine. He's learning how to be a professional. Power play comes easy to him. He has the talent. He has the shot. But he's learning to be a professional. He's learning what it means night in, night out. He's changing his training within the summer as he did this offseason to lose a little bit of weight, to make him a little bit faster. And we're also seeing him start to learn that 200-foot game and starting to play more on the defensive side of the puck. So we have to give him a little break, as you said. But right now, we'll take all the goals that he's filling in the net. And we bring on Kirk Penton, who's been joining the CGB Sports Show the last couple of weeks to offer playoff insight from The Athletic. And Kirk, is this Grey Cup going to be anything like the last two for Calgary? It has the potential to be, that's for sure. I mean, their offense is not exactly clicking these days. And uh, and Ottawa's is. So, yeah, there, there is the chance that it could happen like that. I was surprised that all six of those guys picked Calgary, I thought, for sure. Ottawa would get some love considering how well they're playing coming in. Is it possible that those experts and those that are picking Calgary are just looking at Ottawa's opposition and saying they beat Hamilton, Hamilton's not very good, whereas Calgary completely shut down the best offense in the CFL? Yeah, I mean, there is that that West and East division divide still. The East doesn't get a bunch of respect. And, you know, it, it... uh, you know, I, people will say Ottawa is a deserved, you know, East Division champ and all that. And, and I, tech, I guess technically they are, but, you know, they got to play Hamilton, they got to play Montreal, and they got to play Ottawa more than the teams in the West did. And it's tougher to get out of the West. And the last two years, I really, you know, I really think Calgary deserved. Calgary was the favorite going in. Calgary was the best team in the league the last two years, without a doubt. And... I still think they are. I still think they have elite talent. They have great coaching. They're, they do everything right. Their defense is spectacular. But, um, yeah, it's just that it's that West and East divide still that uh, Ottawa doesn't get the love, and, and, and that's the way it is. So this will be the biggest stage that Trevor Harris has ever played on. They've had an up-and-down season, but when that offense is clicking, they are hard to stop. Is this someone that you believe can make it happen on the big stage? Because he also has a pretty bad record against Calgary in his career. Yes, he does. It's it's not just bad. It's it's never beaten them in his career. Eight games, zero wins. He's been able to get two ties out of them back in uh, 16 and 17. But uh, the thing is, he's had pretty good stats, too, and so you can't really blame him, I guess, for the losses. It's the Ottawa defense that was uh, kind of torched by the Stampeders offense in those games, and they, the Red Blacks ended up losing shootouts in those games. But this year, uh, Trevor Harris was just downright awful against Calgary, going 13 for 29, 
for 135 yards and a pick in the first game, and then he was 14 of 22 for 93 yards and two interceptions. So it was particularly awful this year, but I don't know. I mean, it's uh, it's one game, and, and players have shown the ability to to beat the Calgary Stampeders in a one-game showdown when it matters most. So Trevor Harris does have the ability, even though he's you know had some he's ridden the roller coaster this year without a doubt. I mean, he's lost to Montreal and lost games. He should have won and won games. He should have lost. You just never know what you're going to get with Trevor Harris, but for the most part, you know, what you're getting from the Calgary defense. So that's why I think deep down people are going with the Stampeders. And I think that's why the Stampeders are still favored. Four point favorites. Uh, last time I checked for Calgary mm-hmm. and for Bo Levi Mitchell, this is something where you look at the last two years, Calgary right now they're labeled as the team of this decade. However, they have just one great cup to show for it with a number of times coming up short in the big game. And there's a bit of a label that I think Bo Levi Mitchell and these stamps are trying to askew tomorrow or on Sunday. And that is that of a team that doesn't arrive when the spotlight is the brightest. Yeah, no, they have to. And I mean, going into that 14 2014 great cup championship, they had been the team that couldn't get to the big game despite having spectacular regular seasons and then they were able to get over that hump and then they're able to win but then after that now they've they've become that team that can get to the big game but can't win it It, it's really a it's really been on the franchise basically for a decade it's kind of what john huffnagel's stampeders are known for now for the last 10 years since he's been either coach or gm and it's somebody always messing up like well levi mitchell um played pretty well in the, the two losses, um, the one game wasn't that great. The one against Ottawa, he had three picks in that one two years ago. But last year, he deserved to win. But, I mean, you can look at the Kamar Jordan fumble last year is the big reason why they lost. I mean, they were going to go in and score and take a pretty commanding lead in the fourth quarter. And two years ago, I mean, they had first, second and goal on the two. And... Dave Dickinson decides to have young Andrew Buckley try and run it in, and and the the Red Blacks read that like a book. So if they bring it on themselves, the problems that they have in the big game. But you could say, you know, if Bo Levi Mitchell were so good, he could have his team up by twenty points, right? So there is he he does wear some of it, but it just seems like somebody on in that franchise just messes up at the worst possible time, and and you just kind of. Tomorrow, you're going to be waiting for them to do it again. Or sorry, on Sunday, you're going to be waiting for them to do it again. I'll ask for your pick in just a moment. Just a couple of thoughts on other CFL stories today. Atlantic Schooners, that had that was the only choice for this team, right? The, yes, yes. <laughs> moving on. <laughs> yes. Um, Mexico, what does the CFL see in terms of tapping into that market? Yeah, he really is excited, uh, Mr. Ambrosi, about going to Mexico and you know, the people I talk to around the league are wishing that he would just get Toronto and Hamilton and, or sorry, Toronto, Montreal and BC attendance figured out before he started worrying about going to Mexico. But, you know, the, all these leagues are now going global and, and, uh, he wants, he wants to grow this CFL and good for him. I mean, I don't know if I, it's a good idea. But I don't know. If, I don't know if the league is quite ready to do that. I think the league should maybe focus on what it's trying to do here first, and uh, and you know, kind of 
like I said, get those attendances up in Toronto, Montreal, and Vancouver. Those are the three biggest cities in Canada, and they have the three worst attendance marks in the league. So good for him for trying, and we'll see what kind of uh, talent exchange there is. There's, I saw some conflicting reports today on uh, whether or not there's going to be uh, required to be one person from Mexico on every team next year. I read that from uh, Dan Barnes of uh, Post Media. So we'll see where that goes. Um, I don't know, but the jury will be out on that one for a while, but uh, I guess good on Ambrosi for trying. And finally, you've been a big proponent of getting rid of the East-West because it's been just so imbalanced. Is this something that we're going to see come in the next little bit? Is it going to be talked about in the offseason? Is something to change, or is this something since Halifax is coming, they're just going to let ride out? Well, I mean, the fact today that Ambrosi said that they're now talking about it, that's the first time I've ever heard the league say that. Up until this point, there's been absolutely no mention publicly whatsoever of changing that and going with no divisions. So that's a good sign. I was kind of glad to see that. And, uh, you know, the traditionalists will say, well, now that we're getting five teams in each, you know, region, five true Eastern teams and five true Western teams, why don't we stick with that? But history shows that, I mean, the West division, I don't know how, I don't know why they just keep getting it done. They're more, they're the better division every year, except for one out of the last 20 or so. Um, I say give it a shot. If it doesn't work, you can always go back to the old ways. I mean, this league has done a lot of crazy things over the years, hmm. American expansion and all that yep. stuff. So, you know, give it a shot. What What's the harm? He, he's going to Mexico, for crying out loud. How yeah. hard would it be to go with no divisions, right? Exactly. All right, before I let you go, who's going to win the Great Cup? Yeah. I, I went with Calgary. I mean, I just think, even though they might, this might be the year that I think they have the you know, the least chance of winning it. I just kind of went on the theory that that's probably the year they're going to get it done. Um, that defense is uh, is something else. And it has proven to be uh, a thorn in Trevor Harris's side in his first game. Uh, under this uh, under this spotlight, I think Calgary's defense is going to be able to get the job done. So I've taken the Stampeders in a close one. All right, Kirk, as always, thank you very much for your time. Appreciate it and enjoy the game on Sunday. All right, Christian, you too. It's a Friday tradition on the sports show. The Power Parlay with Philly and Joe from Power Mornings. Though someone's someone's missing this week. Philly. Where's Philly? So our success last week was limited. We went 0 for 3, so we have decided to fire Philly. He is not with us today. He's no longer with us. Um, I kid, but Philly picked Philly. And uh, they lost by 35, or no, it was 48-7. They were favor- underdogs by eight and a half. They lost 48-7. Philly uh, sent this statement on behalf of his company, quote, First of all, I'd like to apologize to the listeners of CJOB for my embarrassing pick last week. The Philadelphia Eagles are clearly an abomination. However, <laughs> Joe, you and I also didn't get anything right. No, no. So this week uh, we want to look at the, the Grey Cup game. Mm-hmm. And first of all, will you be watching the Grey Cup game now that there's uh, no bomber interest? I think the Grey Cup last number of years has been really good at entertaining game. And my issue normally is it's up against the NFL. I'm actually going to be in Minnesota Sunday. 
You are going to so see, the, I'm going Vikes to see the, Vikings the Packers. Packers. I mean, if you're a Vikings fan or a Packers fan, that's a big match. It is, and my dad and I saw that weeks ago, and all of a sudden these two teams are now fighting for a playoff spot. More on them in a second because that might be my pick. But I did that not thinking, oh, it could be Grey Cup Sunday. What if the Bombers were in the game and I'd be in a different country? <laughs> but alas, it wasn't the case. But the, the spread right now is four for Calgary. Yeah. That's a tough spread because they're not killing teams. And Ottawa looked mighty good last week, but Hamilton is not Calgary. No, absolutely. I, I just don't know if Bo Levi Mitchell has had enough time with some of these receivers. They've done a good job, like we saw, obviously, and they're big. But you know what? I'm going to ride the Harris train. And one more game for uh, Ottawa. And I think they cover that four-point spread. Philly, I think it's going to be close. Yeah, Philly agrees with you. He sent in his picks because, again, he's not fired. He's just off today. <laughs> he sent in the Red Blacks to cover. And I'm so torn on this because force tough. And Calgary, they haven't really beaten anybody soundly in a long time. They handled the Bombers last week. The defense was great. But we've seen in the last couple of years the Grey Cup's a different animal. Yeah. And... Just because you and Philly picked the Red Blacks, <laughs> I'm going to pick Calgary, and we'll okay. see how that goes. Uh, so we're all going to pick a great cup and then a game on top of that. Philly sends in another big spread. He's looking for these big numbers, <laughs> but for the second time in three weeks, he's picking the Dolphins on the road to cover a big number. This time it's Indianapolis favored by 9.5 against the Miami Dolphins. Both teams are 5-5. Five and five. Indy's on the rise. Miami's a bit of a fraudulent 5-5. Five and five. Mm-hmm. And he's going to pick the Dolphins to cover as Ryan Tannehill is back okay. in that game. So good luck, Philly. You've been burned a number of times by these big numbers, picking the underdogs. But that's his pick. Joe, what do you got? Well, I'm a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. I have been since I was a kid. With guys like Franco Harris and such in that lineup, uh, they're in Denver. They're favored by three points. They squeaked out of Jacksonville. Mm, but That was an ugly game. Yeah. And, and to be honest, I expected it to be. You know, when you follow your team that closely, you right. know that Jacksonville usually leads to a problem, and they beat them twice last year. I think Pittsburgh goes in and covers three points in Denver. We've mentioned a couple times on this segment where picking your own team yeah. Or picking a game in which your team is involved oh, I know. is a dangerous venture. I know. And uh, first on last week, I got the, the Falcons-Cowboys wrong. I should have gone with that huge college spread yes. that I mentioned. Rice did cover the 42-point spread. I should have just gone with Rice, which would have been a lot more fun. I just Anyway, the Vikings at home are favored by three points. Yeah. That basically means Vegas thinks this is a complete toss-up. Yeah. And the Vikings need this game. The Packers need this game. Vikings are 5-4-1. and one. The Packers are 4-5-1. and one. They tied the last time they played at Lambeau Field. And I've not been super impressed by either of these teams. Okay. Green Bay's been basically Aaron Rodgers and a bunch of nobodies. Kirk Cousins hasn't lived up to his enormous contract. But since I'm going to be there, they better win. And if they're going to win, they're going to win by at least three. So I'm going to pick the Vikings just on that alone. And if they lose, it's going to be a triple whammy because they're going to A, lose. B, I'm going to get this wrong. And C, I'm going to be there very upset. It's a long ride home. Um, it should be an exciting atmosphere. And it looks oh, it's like a wonderful place to see a football game. Exciting weekend as far as sports goes, right? With mm-hmm. these, uh, you know, games going on because of U.S. Thanksgiving and their weekend and everything else. But what a flex game for a Sunday night. Yep. Vikes and Packers on top of Grey Cup. 
It's going to be a, a good Sunday. The Pittsburgh-Denver game is a good one. Seattle-Carolina is also a good one. Some yeah. good college games tomorrow, too, to check out, including the Vanier Cup. Yes, of course. With my Western Mustangs going for their second straight. you got some big games going on this weekend, it's gonna personally. Be a, hey, the couch is my favorite place to be on a Saturday and Sunday. <laughs> and I'm actually going to be on a plane during some of the games tomorrow. But oh, you're flying out. I'm okay. flying out. Well, normally I drive. Yeah. But since i got to be yeah. kind of back quickly only an hour 40 minute flight yes seven hour drive by myself i get kind of crazy delta they'll take care of you that's what i'm doing all right joe we'll talk to you in a week you bet have a good time check out the cjob sports show weeknights from 7 to 9 p.m with christian omel and the sports show podcast not available on itunes not available on google podcasts not available anywhere you get your favorite podcast yes this is 680 cjob